something coming. I know as a kid, Christmas was one of my favorite times of year, and every Christmas Eve, I would get to do a sleepover, and I'd go downstairs, I'd get to sleep in my sister's room, we'd stay up late, we'd, we'd guess what the presents would be, and we'd listen to see if there were sounds, and then we'd fall asleep, and then we'd wake up at like five in the morning, and we'd just wait, you know, Listen, as soon as there's footsteps, we can go upstairs because that means mom and dad are awake. And so we'd wait for that time and we'd go upstairs with great anticipation, excited. And the biggest thing we were thinking about was, what's the present going to be? My parents had this tradition, which I'm so glad, is is there after in the midst of all that and we're all looking at the presents, we're all eager, my parents would pause and they they would open up the scriptures and they would read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went on their own to town, went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him, was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. In the same way that my family paused every Christmas morning, we stopped what we were doing, we we waited, we paused and read the story. In the same way that we do that, when we come to church this Christmas season, it's a time to stop, to pause. All the other busyness of this life, all the other distractions, we, we stop and we pause and we focus our attention on that little baby boy born in Bethlehem. We're celebrating what's called Advent. And the word Advent simply means coming or arrival. In the time of Jesus, Israel was waiting with hopeful expectation for the arrival of the Messiah. Rome had conquered Israel. And so the nation of Israel looked back at God's gracious actions in the Exodus. They looked back at how God had saved them during the time of Judges. They looked back at the time that God had brought them back from exile. They were waiting in prayerful expectation for the Messiah to come and to reign. 
I mean, think of the words of the famous hymn that we sing this Christmas. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. In a similar way, during Advent, we the church look back at that Christmas morn. We look back at what God has done. And so Advent is a time to reflect on love came down, as we talked about last week. But it's also a time to anticipate the next coming, that Christ will return and that He will reign. To anticipate that time where, where everything will be made right and He will establish His kingdom forever. So as we come today, we pause to remember why we're here. So let's pray as we do that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we all bring our different burdens today. Some are here and experiencing that song we just sang. Joy, joy, joy. It's a season of rejoicing and, and wonderful times. And for others, maybe the burdens of this life are pulling us down and we come here broken and mourning. So Lord, as we take this time to pause and open Your Word, we just pray that You will speak through it. We need Your voice in our lives. Speak to us today in Your life. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, today's word is joy. It's over here on, on this thing. The, the big words here for Evan are, are hope. We looked at two weeks ago. Love, we looked at last week. Joy, we're looking at today. And peace next week. And Webster's Dictionary kind of has the word joy and, and happiness are very similar. Here's Webster's Dictionary of Happiness. In a, a state of well-being or contentment. Joy. A pleasurable or satisfying experience. Webster's Dictionary definition of joy is an, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. An expression or exhibition of such emotion, a state of happiness or felicity, a source or cause of delight. And joy and happiness are sometimes hard to distinguish with, but I, I just want to, I guess, make this statement today, and, and what I believe is that true joy... Ultimate joy, lasting joy, only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That true joy only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we celebrate Christmas, we come to a time of joy. The angel said in Luke 2, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Not small joy, not modest joy, not little joy, not a little bit joy, but great joy. Good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then this great cloud of heavenly hosts comes and they sing, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those in whom His favor rests. We sing songs to reflect this reality. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We sing that on Sundays in anticipation, but if we really think about it, if we think about our lives, maybe some of you aren't joyful and triumphant. Maybe when you come to sing, Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, it might be more like, Oh, come all you faithful, weary and burdened. Oh, come all you faithful, stressed and anxious. Oh, come all you faithful, busy and disheveled. 
stressed and tired. Maybe you don't feel joyful and triumphant today. But today I want to bring you good news of great joy that's for all the people. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, came down to dwell with us. So I want to look at John 15, something that Jesus said to his disciples. This is just before he was about to go to the cross. Jesus knew he was going to die and leave them alone. He knew they weren't going to realize what was coming. He knew they didn't know that three days later he would rise from the dead. So he says to them in John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. So be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Or maybe your translation says, abide in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He's saying, look, he's, he's given this idea of a tree, and if you separate from the tree, the, the, the branch withers and dies. And if you remain in Christ, then you will bear fruit. He continues, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and I remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, last year we were able to get a good deal on a... uh, a tree. Now, this is not a real tree. Um, it's not a live tree. And growing up, my family had live trees. And I would get really bad allergies every Christmas. We couldn't figure out why. What's up with that? Turns out I'm allergic to pine. So I can't get live trees. But we're just going to, for the sake of illustration, imagine this was a legitimate, real pine tree. I even talked to Sandy last night. I was like, what if we went out and bought a real tree and put it up here? And she's like, first off, you'd have horrible allergies. Second off, that's a bad idea, so let's just use this. So we have to picture that this was a real live tree, not a fake tree, okay? So here's what happens when you want to go get a real tree. Now, you can go the manly route, go out to a woods, hopefully it's one that you own, not some random person's woods where you're stealing the tree, and you go on the top and you cut the tree off, cut the top, and you bring it to your house, and you put it in your house. Now, you do your best, you keep it watered and all those kind of things, but what will eventually happen to that tree? And if you have cats, you know it happens sooner than later. (laughs) Eventually the pine brushes fall off, the tree starts to die. You can dress up the tree with all sorts of ornaments and everything else, but without being connected to the vine, that tree that you brought for Christmas into your house will die because it's no longer connected to the source of life. You can do things, water, do things to make it last a little longer. And it will bring joy for a season. For a season, everybody gathers around it. The tree's going around. You put the cute ornaments on it. You put the lights on it. It looks really pretty. It brings some happiness to your life. But eventually, because it's not connected to the vine, it will wither and die. And see, our, 
I believe our life is kind of like that Christmas tree without being connected to the source of joy. In fact, the creator of joy. God created joy and happiness. Without being connected to that source, you can dress it up and you can have put little things. You can do things to make your life happy for moments. But without that constant source of joy, you will find that your life is not fulfilled. When Jesus wrote this in the, in the rabbinic thought, when Jesus said this in the rabbinic thought in that time, what the religious teachers were, were teaching was that joy was imperfect in this age. Because it's always affected by the prospect of death and the worries of this life. And their thought process in that time was that only in the messianic era, only when the Messiah comes, will there be perfect joy. And here, when Jesus claimed that I have told you that this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, he was proclaiming to be the Messiah. And as he's preparing his disciples for his death, he tells them to abide, to remain in him. In fact, 11 of the 12 disciples would do that, but one would leave. That that word abide, remain, stay, it just literally means that to remain, to stay. Stay with me. And Judas departed. There was a warning. Don't be like Judas. Stay with me. But see, if we are rooted in our relationship with Jesus, we're abiding with him, then we'll bear fruit. And so, now if we're to make this tree magically tra- change into like a mango tree, if a mango tree is, is planted and, and rooted, if it's a good tree, if it's a healthy tree, it will produce mangoes. But if it's dead, it won't. And so if you're connected to Christ, then, then there should be some fruit that happens. And there's attitude fruit and, and action fruit. Attitude fruit, things like love. If you abide in Christ, if you remain in Him, you'll have the love of Jesus. He talks about loving others and loving Him. And that fruit of love leads to action. Because I love my wife, I serve her. Because I love my wife, I pursue her. So if we love God, then we obey His commandments. Then we have this fruit of obedience. We have this fruit of loving others. We have this attitude fruit of joy that, that Christ's joy may be in us, that His joy may be complete. Have you ever thought about how obedience and joy are tied together? You know, I think of when I have conflict with other people, I tend to want to avoid them when I have conflict. You don't want to for, you don't want to face them, you know how that happens. Oftentimes when we sin, when we disobey God, it causes us to put our own barrier between us and God. And we tend to want to run away from God when we sin rather than running to God, which is what He calls us to do. When we run to Him, He restores us. He, he, when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to obey us. Or, sorry, he's faithful to just forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And oftentimes, obedience and joy are tied together. Listen to what listen to what David says in Psalm 51. Now, this is a psalm right after David had had committed adultery, and and so he's experiencing the the consequences of sin. But he he prays, "Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is back before, this is when God gave the Holy Spirit to people for, uh, for specific purposes, for seasons. Uh, but then he says this in verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He doesn't say restore to me salvation because he knew he was still saved. 
He says, because of my sin, I've lost the joy that I had, that I found in Christ. And so God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I want to experience the joy that I had when I was living and following you. Albert Moeller talked about it this way. When we think of the fruit of obedience, we tend to think of joy and obedience as mutually exclusive. We have to choose misery and obedience or freedom and joy. But that's a lie that Satan has told from the very beginning. Joy comes through obedience. And I I found this to be true because God created us with a purpose. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. God has created us for good purposes. He's created us to find our satisfaction in Him and in living for Him. And oftentimes when we, we head and seek these other avenues of satisfaction, we find ourselves wanting more. And Psalm 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. When we seek to be continually connected to Christ, we seek to do His will, we seek to pursue His purposes, He gives us a joy that is, that is separate from our circumstances oftentimes. God provides us the joy that we need. Let's go back to John 15. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. As Messiah... Jesus is offering a different kind of joy than we think of. It's like that Christmas tree. You separate it from the vine, it will eventually die. But Christ is offering us an abundant life as we looked at last week. He says, I've come to give you life, life to the fullest. John 4, talking to the Samaritan woman. If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Jesus offers this continual source of satisfaction if we want joy, we need to go to the one who created it. James Montgomery Boyce, a, a pastor and theologian, talked about three different areas, three different kinds of joy that is, as believers, those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, that, that we have. The first is joy attained. Jesus came. We have an inherent joy available to us. He says, my joy, so that my joy may be in you. Just by putting our faith and trust in Christ, we have access to this unlimited source of joy. It's attained. It's already there. We don't have to do anything to get it. But then we also have this abiding joy, that my joy may be in you, may remain in you. The point in this is that joy doesn't necessarily remain. There are things called joy killers. And we're probably aware of these. You know, like sin is one of them when we, when we, when we, Go away from God's intended purposes. We often find that it lasts for a moment, but then we find it unsatisfactory. It can kill our joy. And sin always ends up having consequences, and those consequences kill joy. But there are lots of other joy killers. Selfishness. We're all about, when we do all the things that we want to do, we tend to find that it causes relational strain and it kills our joy. Busyness. Our culture is so busy. Christmas season. All the go, go, go and everything else. We can get so cluttered that, that we lose our joy. Envy. In our society, man, all the different commercials, all the different things. You go over to other people's houses. People talk about what they got for Christmas. It can be really easy to get caught up in that and be envious. 
I wish I had that car. I wish I had that TV. I wish I had that other present. You know, my family can't really afford very much. We're just getting something little. And that family over there, man, I remember this as a kid, you know, growing up as a missionary kid, I would go to my one friend's house and he would get the newest and greatest thing. You know, Nintendo came out and he got the Nintendo with all, you know, with the duck hunt. And they remember the pad, you can do the, you know, and nobody remembers that. Okay. There was a pad that came with Nintendo and you was Olympics and you could run and jump. It was like the coolest thing ever and duck hunt, you know, all this stuff. And, and I was like, man, that's so cool. My dad's in the wrong profession. No, I'm joking. It wasn't. But, but there's the envy that can naturally sneak in at Christmas, you know, that there's the times where, where it's all these external things, but sometimes it's even things you can't control, you know. We come to a season like this and it makes us miss those that aren't here with us there are hardships our church our church has been through such a hard time and just last week uh jack jack Krieger's, uh sister passed away and then the week before that you know the uh the matthew's daughter and the week before that tony and we've just been through a just a heavy season as a church and when we come to these times man we just we miss those that aren't there you know every christmas we have a we have an ornament on our on our christmas tree with sandy's dad's picture and every christmas it's it just hurts and so there are some things that we can control that kill our joy and other things other circumstances other hardships maybe you lost your job maybe you're going through just something really hard maybe someone is really sick in the family things that that just suck away the joy often but jesus offers the solution abide in me remain in me Find your source of satisfaction in me. I know there's a lot of stuff going out there and you're about to face some really difficult hardships as I die and you're not going to know what's going to come. Abide in me. So there is this joy attained, there's this joy abiding, but there's also this joy abounding and that your joy may be complete. We look at the early Christians and we see what they faced to face persecution, face loss of their jobs, face beatings, face death. And yet, they went forth with joy. I think of all the many times I've gone on mission trips and I've, I've been in some of the poorest places that you can imagine and been there in a church service and to see the tremendous joy that these believers have in the midst of these horrible circumstances. So today, as we celebrate good news of great joy, I want to look at three seasons, actually four seasons, sorry, where we can have joy. The first one's an easy one, joy in good times. This is the easiest one, right? When we have good times, it's easy to have joy. As a, as a family, uh, one of my favorite traditions is from the time I was a little kid, um, my family would always give each other Christmas ornaments every year. And so we have, uh, you know, as a family, we have some significant ones, things that have meaning. This is when we bought our first house. We were really excited. We bought our first house, and we got to move in our first house for that year uh, for a Christmas ornament. Uh, we, we got this uh, first home ornament, and that was just a, a time of great joy. And then this is more of a funny one because I like to be funny. Um, my wife uh, broke her ankle one Christmas, and, uh, you know, I don't know if you have a rule in your house, but in our house, like, I have a chair. It's it's my chair. It's not her chair. It's my chair. Yes, thanks. A lot of men, we have chairs. We have our chair. It's my chair. But when she broke her ankle, the chair became Sandy's chair. And so that year, I got a little lazy boy 
because she stole my chair. And so we got a Christmas ornament of the chair to remember that Christmas. And then uh, a couple years ago, uh, we went on our 15th wedding anniversary trip. We just did a tour of Michigan, and we went to Frankenmuth, and we got this made. So that's a special one, uh, one of the few times we've gotten away without the kids. Um, and that was, a, that was a good one. But I think one of our favorite ones, and it's, it, it really fits with the message, is uh, in 2000. 10, well actually it was 2009, uh, God was doing some really cool things, we started looking for a job as youth pastor, and the night that I went out for an interview at First Baptist Church, the first night Sandy and I went to dinner and had an interview with the pastors, that night we went home and took a pregnancy test and found out that we had Joshua on the way. And so we were so happy that we got this for our Christmas ornament. Because <laughs> we were so excited that we were going to have A baby. And so we had, it was good news of great joy. And so we, it's always the biggest one there, but it reminds us of God's faithfulness and and it was such a cool moment. And so in times of happiness and joy, it's easy to have joy. It was easy there that day that we found out we were pregnant to have joy. I mean, think of what Mary said when she, when in Luke 1, in this beautiful song, she said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That word rejoices, that's the same root word as joy. My spirit joys in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. So it can be easy in, in good times, in, in easy times to... Remember to have joy when God shows up in big ways. It's easy to have joy. But we can also have joy in trials. And when we face temptation, James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, what do we do when we face trials? Consider it joy. Man, that's a hard thing to do, right? To consider it joy when we face trials. Paul and Barnabas in the church in Antioch, there's the word of God is spreading through the whole region. But in verse 50 of Acts 13, it says, The Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of the high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What? Like, they got persecuted, beat up, sent out, but everybody's filled with joy. See, joy doesn't necessarily have to be tied to our circumstances. We can have joy in suffering. We can have joy in trials when we abide with Christ. Third one, joy in suffering. Here we look at the example of Jesus in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before Him. When Christ went to the cross, it says, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross scoring his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
when we face suffering, what do we do? We consider Christ and the sacrifices that He made for us so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. I have a wonderful, awesome thing called uh, uh, recording. I don't know what I can't think of the word. DVR, whatever it is. And I love it because then I can be fully present with my family and when the kids go to bed I can watch stuff. Although now it's really cool because my son wants to watch the same stuff that I want to watch so I can be a good dad and spend time with him watching football. So Sorry, Sandy, i got to be a good dad right now. Joshua and I are going to go watch Michigan. Um, but one of the things I do is, is I record games and sometimes by accident I, lo- I, I, f- I find out that my team lost. Like last night I learned that Michigan lost to Oregon in overtime so I'm not going to watch that game because if I know they're going to lose I'm not going to watch it. But sometimes I find out they're going to win and I'm still going to watch it. And I find out they're going to win I know they're going to win as I'm watching the game like it gets really stressful and uh, you think they might going to lose. Be like, I know they're not going to lose because I know the score. I know they're going to win. So I'm not going to get stressed out. Normally I'd be like, why did you call that dumb time out? But now I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're going to win. I know we're going to win. So I'm not stressed. Well, in the same way as believers, we, we, know, we know the end of the game. We know that Christ is going to come back. We know if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we know that when we die, we're going to spend eternity with Christ in bliss, with no pain, no sorrow. We know the end of the game, and so because of that, it should affect how we play the game. It should affect how we view the circumstances that we face. It should affect everything. Romans 12, Paul says this, Be joyful in hope. Where is our joy founded? We have a hope. We know that God wins. We're joyful in hope, but then it says this, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. So we have joy because of the hope that we have, but we're still going to go through affliction. We're still going to go through hardships. And so with those hardships, we are patient and we are faithful in prayer, and we ask God to give us the joy that we need to sustain us through the day. In Romans 8, Paul says, he says, I consider the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying, look, I know this life is hard. We all experience the pains and, and the struggles of living this life, but these pains and these struggles don't compare with eternity. I know what's ahead. I know what the end of the game is. And so even though it's hard, it's not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. In John 16, just after John 15, which we just read, Jesus, and says in verse 19, saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me? We know what he's talking about. He's going to die and then be raised again. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Everyone else was rejoicing. They, they Crucify him, crucify him. And the disciples were weeping and mourning. You will grieve, but your grief will turn into joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born to the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He compares this joy to childbirth. In childbirth, I have not experienced it, but I've heard that it really hurts. And during the birth of a child, there's a lot of pain, but then when the baby is born, there's joy. 
Because the pain, there's no more pushing and whatever else stuff you guys do. And then the baby's there. That's all done. And now there's this joy. There's this beautiful little baby. So when Christ died, the, the disciples had tremendous pain. But then when He rose again, there was this joy that couldn't be taken away. Because the Messiah had come. Paul talks about this in Romans 8 also. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. All of us experience the groaning that exists in this earth. The struggles, the hardships, the loss, the pain, the sickness, the cancer. It all, it, it all has its weight on all of us. It's like, that, it's like that childbirth. It's this pain that's present in this time because of sin. But we know the end. And it doesn't compare to the glory that is awaiting us. For those of us that have put our faith, trust and faith in Jesus. Our joy doesn't have to be based on the circumstances we face. Later in Romans, Paul writes this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God is the one that gives us joy and peace, but He gives it through our hope. Because we don't mourn as those who have no hope, we mourn as those who have hope. We still mourn, we still struggle. But we have, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have joy. God offers this joy. It's accessible by abiding in Christ. Augustine, a famous theologian, put it this way. Because you, talking about God, because you have made us for yourself, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. God created us for a relationship with Him. And until we find our rest in Him, until we find our satisfaction in Him, until we abide with Him, we will find ourselves continually restless. We will find ourselves continuing to go to the Christmas tree and trying to decorate it with all these different things. To make it look just right so that other people will see that we have it all together. But unless it is connected to the source of life, it will die. It will wither. All the things this world has to offer, they all fade. They offer temporary satisfaction. For a moment, they provide a little bit of happiness, of temporary joy. But only Christ can provide true joy. So he's saying, Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant today. If you are saying, Oh, come all you faithful, weary and burdened, stressed and tired. Anxious and worried. Just know that God is calling you today to abide in Him. To find your satisfaction in Him. To connect to the source of life. In the chorus of that song, O come all you faithful, it says this, O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. We are called to adore God in adoration, we love Jesus. In adoration, we realize God's greatness and our smallness. In adoration, we're thankful for what God has given rather than comparing ourselves to everybody else and wishing we had more. In adoration, we remember God's promises and His faithfulness. So today, as we get ready to head out to all the busyness of this Christmas season, let's remember to stop, to pause, to abide in Christ to adore Christ, to find our satisfaction in Christ. I just want to end with this quote 
We'll pray and we'll just dismiss with, the, with this quote. Because you have made us for yourself, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. We need to find our rest in Christ, not in all these other things. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for a time to stop, to pause. In the middle of all the other busyness, all the other distractions, to pause and reflect and remember that you have called us to a relationship with yourself. That you created us for a relationship with you. And that true satisfaction, true joy can only be found through the creator of joy. We can seek to find in all these other things, but they will only be temporary, like a tree disconnected from the roots. They will provide for a season, but they will be left wanting. Lord, help us to find our satisfaction in you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.